Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, with sports betting season in full force with football here, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BETUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 1-800-69-BETUS. That is 800-MY-BETUS. You receive 125% sign-up bonus by using bonus code SST125. That's SST125. They have re-up and referral bonuses. Also, BetUS is known among America's favorite sportsbook for lots of reasons. Bet on team and player props, loads of NFL futures, UFC matches, PGA golf, live betting on most sports. The online casino has hundreds of games. The race books has all the horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable. Follow my lead and get your phone, online, and sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS, you you bet. You win. You get paid. Bet U.S. In the South, it's always college football season. And the king of college football reigns supreme all year long. Southern Sports Today proudly presents the Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. We have rankings, and they don't matter. Not yet. It is Chuck Oliver Show on a Wednesday, and we all know that, and that's advanced billing. College football playoff rankings, the first release of the year, and, of course, they don't matter. There is a choir shouting that. That's not new information. Uh, it's interesting to me, though, that when whatever category we have, uh, whether it's a superlative, whether it's a negative, doesn't matter. When you're the best, most, first, et cetera, top of the list, all right, that'll get my attention. And these are, let's see, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 20. These are the, what is this, the eighth, ninth year that we have had a first release from the playoff committee. And all of them have been irrelevant for the most part. It may give you a little insight into the, the thinking of the committee. But uh, beyond that, it's, it's, it, it's irrelevant because there's still so many games to be played. So, and the committee tells you, you don't move up or down on these rankings. It is a blank slate, and we recreate it from the start every single week. I was like, okay, whatever. Maybe they do. So the rankings come out last night, and they are just like every other year since 2014 when we've got the initial rankings. Yes, they also are irrelevant, but these could hold the belt for it. 
Because if you look at the top four, Georgia is number one. Then it's Alabama, Michigan State, and Oregon. Folks, Miles Brennan getting into the portal, that is a more relevant story than last night's rankings. There is a backup outside linebacker at UTSA. He's questionable for Saturday. That holds a little more, because UTSA is pretty good. That holds a little more interest to me than specifically these rankings, and it's because of who is in them. What I'm saying, and I mentioned this a little bit yesterday, that I didn't know if Oregon would get that fourth spot right now, but they're not going to keep it. I didn't know if Cincinnati would have a spot in the top four, but they ain't going to keep it. Now, a lot of this is projection, but, you know, when I look at some of these scenarios, the possibilities, how they can unfold, a lot of this, to me, it looks like checkers, not chess. Georgia, best team in America. And if I'm at the window in Vegas or where I'm handing over $100 saying, yeah, I'm betting them for the national championship. That's the choice. After that, Bama, Michigan State, and Oregon, I can't tell you any of those three get into the playoffs. The only chance this season for the SEC to have two teams in the playoffs, of course, Alabama beats Georgia and they both go. It's not just, well, if Alabama loses – well, how much will it count? They lost to the number one team in America who's beaten every. It doesn't matter at that point. It's not a relative thing. It's the second loss and you're done, brother. Alabama, Michigan State, Oregon. If Alabama loses, which I, you know, I would talk right now. I think if you drop Nick Saban in the room of truth, hey, you're playing Georgia four weeks from Saturday. What do you think of the matchup right now? And you're not playing them now, but what do you think of the matchup in four weeks? What do you think of the matchup right now? Yeah, they're better. And they have an advantage here, here, and here. And we've got an advantage of quarterback, and so we've got to leverage that into the most important advantage you can have. But I think if you drop Nick Saban, you put that Wonder Woman rope around him, he would say, yeah, they're better. And they still have work to do before they would even get potentially to Atlanta. It's not like I'm looking at two eight-no teams and it's a collision course and there's nothing that's going to throw it off track. Alabama could get thrown off track this Saturday. Michigan State, folks, they play Purdue, which if all you do is a flyover of the scores each Saturday and then look at the standings, folks, Purdue is about as nasty and mean and dangerous about a 500 team as they're really well coached and they're in every game, it seems. Michigan State lose Saturday? Folks, Michigan State could lose their final four games. They're 8-0 right now. They could lose all four of their remaining. Oregon, same thing. But. Oregon State could beat them. The Civil War, that's what they call their in-state rivalry game. Uh, Yeah. It might be good to be a beaver a month from now. And so if 75% of your rank, if the only team out of the four that we think now could be a playoff team on December 5th, if that has been the assumption since like week two, and it's not just a playoff team, I'm looking at Georgia going, and I stopped predicting national championships, folks. I, I, after about two years of the playoffs, I said, I'm just telling you who can reach the final four. I'm telling you who can be a playoff team, who can get one of those seeds. Because it just is a minefield, no matter how great you may be. Go beat a conference champion, uh, a championship opponent, and then Ohio State and Clemson, or Clemson and Bama, or Bama and Oklahoma. 
Go beat both of them. Ain't easy. So when when we're projecting, and we all – all right, Georgia's the best team, and all of the other three – and again, it's not this unending math equation and then eventually it equals, so they're probably out. Cincinnati, I'm surprised they weren't in the top four, and Luke Fickle's not happy about that. But we know this, and we talked about it yesterday in advance. The current playoff committee setup – It is not built for any group of five team to ever be included, and that includes this year. The only way that happens is if every team in Power 5 that could be considered falls apart. And then something else that we talked about on this show yesterday, the litmus test of is the committee really doing their job or are they just blatantly scripting a TV show? Oklahoma 8, Wake Forest 9. Folks, there is not one metric that exists. Other than the OU on the side of that helmet, there's not one measuring stick that favors the Sooners over Wake Forest at this point. Game control, strength of schedule, you use what you want. There's not one thing favoring Oklahoma right now other than that brand. And the committee really missed an opportunity, by the way, to underscore we do. You earn your way into this because Wake Forest has more than the Sooners. And again, these rankings don't matter. You can do whatever you want with these rankings, including send a message, the false one, send a message that, you know what, everybody really does have a shot, including you, Wake Forest. Where are y'all again? When, oh, Winston. Yeah, including you, Wake Forest. So there are your rankings, 75% of which I don't expect to be relevant. To the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Very sound, very physical, very diverse. Uh, create different coverages, leverages, uh, the way you rush the passer, the way they attack things. I mean, they create a lot of different problems for you. That'd be Jimbo talking Saturday afternoon, CBS National Broadcast. Was well, not supposed to be that way, by the way, folks. CBS National Broadcast of Auburn. And Texas A&M, that's going to be Brad Nessler, Gary Danielson, Jamie Erdahl on the sidelines. Uh, and, again, that is the 230 local kick out there in College Station. And Jimbo's talking about the challenge of Auburn's defense. And uh, he had gone on, if, if you were watching the press conference, he had gone on uh, and talked specifically some more about Derek Mason and uh, not just, you know, watching film this year. Because he was asked, uh, what's the challenge with Auburn's defense? He's like, wow, they're tough, they're physical. And, then he went on and talked about Derek Mason and what he's doing this year. And then also, like, the history. He's like, I've coached against Derek before. I know what this is going to be. So, And I'm not talking scheme-wise. You know, you can figure that out. You can watch film, and, and then you'll do a game plan, and then you go practice, and hopefully the kids will execute it on Saturday. But he was saying, I know what a Derek Mason defense is going to be like. Now, he used some of those words, they're tough and physical, and those certainly apply. They work hard. And everybody moves a little. And Tony Fair, do you know who Tony Fair is? He's a kid transferred down from UAB, I believe. I'm, I'm trying to remember because they had several. And yeah, that was him. Harris was from Kansas. Uh, Leote was from Northwestern. So the kid from UAB, the kid, the 334, 40-ish, uh, very large human, he moves. He works. And so that's what Jimbo was talking about there. Uh, there is an opportunity 
Auburn has a huge opportunity Saturday, and it may not end there. By Saturday night, do you know what you may be thinking by the time you put your head on a pillow? You may be thinking that Auburn just proved they're the third best team in the conference. And in another three weeks, Tigers may prove they're the second best team in the conference, Alabama. Oh, and let's get, just go ahead and skip to this. Brian Harson is SEC Coach of the Year. That's a wrap. Now, before any of that chest-out talk can actually come to fruition, there is the matter of Saturday afternoon in College Station against a team coming off a of bye that once the Haynes King announcement was made, y'all saw Zach Galzada. Y'all seen what's happened. And the offensive line is better, and everyone's playing with more confidence. And now we're not looking at second and nine all afternoon, which somehow that happened when you lost your center in spring. And then I'm looking at, uh, where's Kenyon Green? Is he at left tackle? No, he's at right tackle. Oh, is he inside again? Where is he? He's the All-American, and then there's like four guys named Jeff. That's the, that's the A&M offensive line, and that's what it looked like in back-to-back losses. Then Bama happened, and then we realized, okay, they've righted the ship. And a lot of it is because, again, the kid under center, Zach Calzada. Um, confidence is always a big deal. How do, I've, I've said before, I've never seen a quarterback actually improve his accuracy. And I, I, I didn't say improve his completion percentage. I said improve his accuracy, and I never have. It's like free throws. You ever seen anybody really improve their free throws? I haven't. I've seen a bunch of people work on them. I've seen people call themselves the shot doctor. I've seen folks charge uh, Pete Newell. Do you know who Pete Newell was? Pete Newell, big man camp. He used to coach basketball. And he had he would just coach big man camp. And everybody from like a high school senior who's 6'11 to I don't know, Shaquille O'Neal, he may show up at the Pete Newell big man camp. Always worked on free throws. Nobody ever got any better. Completion percentage can go up, but that goes up because in large part, preparation experience i'm now seeing the safety move i know he's going to move before he moves even though he's trying to disguise it do you know what all of that wraps up into it's one word do you know what's called confidence and confidence man it permeates everything personal relationships i tell you a buddy of mine he's saying i was like how did i meet a woman i was like you live in atlanta dude shake the tree no no, no. How, do I, how do i talk to a woman i was like more than anything he's like i'm not rich it don't have to be i don't drive a great car it don't have to be don't have a great job all of that stuff helps it's nice i was like it's confidence that's it and there are a bunch of people who when you have money and car and house and all that see it's not that it's your man it's your not arrogance it's confidence same thing for a quarterback when they talk about oh he's in love with his arm yeah that's arrogance at that point by golly i can fit that in there Brett Favre and Southern Miss came calling on my school when I was a junior, I think. And so I show up for the homecoming game. And I had been told this Brett Favre kid's something to watch. I was like, well, how much? You know, what are we talking about? I was like, no, dude, strongest arm you've ever seen. I was told, can throw a strawberry through a freight train. It's like, that that was his arm. Do you know what, (laughs) what Brett Favre has always been? Confident to the point of arrogance. It was, an, it was an NFC title game with five interceptions. Okay, that's too far. Same as you can be in your personal relationships. Zach Calzada, that is confidence. And during the two-game losing streak, and even before that, folks, because they didn't lose to Colorado in a dub in Boulder. In a dub over the overmatched Kent State uh, team. And who, who was it? Uh, New Mexico State, maybe? Over those overmatched teams, it you know what the conversation was exiting those games for Texas A&M? 
man, look at all those shiny, sparkly pieces that aren't getting the football very much. And every, I agree with you. Anaya Smith, he's the best two-way player. And I'm talking rushing and receiving, dual-threat offensive guy. He's the number one in a conference that is spilling over with them. Tyler Beatty, did y'all see him the other day? Good night. Wondell Robinson, what James Cook could be? Lord. Naquan? There are some just unbelievable. Jason McClellan is going to be one of those. There are some unbelievable, too. Anaya Smith's better than every one of them. And what happened after about four or five weeks of the season? We were like, hey, did, I, did Anias get suspended? And I didn't hear about it. And Devin Achain and Spiller and Weidemeyer and Cup returning and all of them. Why can't they score? Well, they don't have the quarterback. They have the quarterback. They got the quarterback. Same guy. Same guy as a month ago. He's confident now. Part of it is getting more experience and realizing, like, you have – there's this – when you're Friday night, you're just better than everybody, and it doesn't matter what you do. Saturday, in the SEC, it's different. You're, you're Zach Calzada. you got to let that ball rip a second before the guy makes his cut. You have to. Do you know the only way you do that is you finally trust the coaching and the preparation and everything. You finally trust it on a Saturday, not a Thursday practice. On a Saturday, you're like, all right, he swears to me if I'll just throw it right now. Oh, it worked. So some of it is that. Folks, do you know what another huge variable in the Zach Calzada A&M offense? The announcement that Haynes King wasn't coming back this year. He looked around. He's like, there's nobody. When Calzada, it was the Alabama game, wasn't it, in the fourth quarter where he got that hit on his knee or his, his calf or whatever it was, where he wound up in the tent. Folks, I do this job 25 hours a day, eight days a week. It's, li- it's all I do. The guy I saw sign, uh, warming up on the Texas A&M sidelines, I'd never heard of him. Now, I remembered when I went and looked at his – I was like, oh, okay, I remember him from recruiting. I do. Because anytime Jimbo gives a scholarship, even a Jimbo offer to a quarterback, I'm like, all right, who is this kid? And then I remember – but on first glance, I was like, I've never seen him. And he's about to go in against Alabama in the fourth quarter in a tie ball game. Have fun. See, that's not confident. Zach Calzada is. He looks around. He understands it's all on me. So before I can talk about Brian Harson bringing home coach of the year, before I can talk about the fact that Auburn, who I looked at preseason and said, mm, somebody's going to be last. That was my comment. Somebody's going to be last. And do you remember how I followed it up about the measuring stick for what this season is for Auburn? I said, this season is about not losing to Arkansas, and it's about beating the Mississippi schools. I mentioned that yesterday, that that those are two different things. When I said the season was about not losing to Arkansas, folks, that was code. It was, if you lose to Arkansas, you may finish last in your own division. It's about beating the Mississippi schools. If you do that, you might finish like, oh, I don't know, fourth in your division, maybe. Beat Texas A&M, you're third best team in the entire conference. And you may not be done. This Auburn improvement, it's real. They're not perfect. They're not finished. And, and, and they're not a real threat to Georgia, not at this point. But that loss last month, it seems like we got, there's a little more insight to take from that than we were originally planning. And there's a very real chance that there's a rematch with Auburn and Georgia in a month. 
the king of college football no matter where you go with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Download it now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. All week, all year, it's all college football on the Chuck Oliver Show. Nine states, 55 sticks. What's up, Knoxville? Uh, 55 sticks, they don't your college football conversation, two hours a day. Been doing that since the beginning of the 14th season, so I appreciate everybody making that possible on a daily basis. Speaking of daily basis, we roll out of the rack each morning. My first digital stop is LandryFootball.com. I told you I pay for two places, The Athletic, LandryFootball.com, they don't do nearly the same thing. Um, LandryFootball.com is tremendous. You can read it. You can listen to it. Folks, you can watch it. I want to welcome on right now the namesake. Man's got Super Bowl rings, for gosh sakes. It is Chris Landry. Brother, how are you today? I'm doing good, Chuck. Uh, hope you're doing well. Probably didn't get any sleep last night, huh? But uh, I hope you're doing well. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's 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 good to be here today. It really is. It's a little bit different. I bet it is. Yeah, with no sleep but a little pep. Uh, let's talk uh, LandryFootball.com, first of all. Um, when someone goes like me and they go to LandryFootball.com and says, oh, football season sale, limited time only, click it, and they join. What do they get? Well, obviously, during the season, it's it's a lot of the the games that have taken place last week and this week. So we break down the games inside the film room. We grade it for you, review it for you. Um, and then certainly we preview all the games. And, and so as we kind of start midweek and get into the Thursday and Friday, it's college, it's NFL, it's all the, the film breakdowns, all the news and notes, all the podcasts, a lot of different things. We're constantly trying to tweak things and make things fan friendly. And, and um, you know, look, the, the best way I describe it, it's like having your own coaching or scouting department for less than a magazine subscription. And we're going to try to do things uh, that it's going to allow that fan to say, you know what? That's something I can't get anywhere else from, you know, someone that maybe, you know, there are a lot of people that do a lot of things and they're very good. We, we don't try to compete with that. We try, try to basically give you the viewpoint of a coach and a scout that's going to be a little bit different than what you're going to get somewhere else. Like it, don't like it, whatever, but it's going to be something that's going to get to get you from a perspective that you haven't seen before. Yeah, and it's everything from Friday night recruiting to Super Bowl Sunday, coaching changes, everything in between. LandryFootball.com. Let's talk on field. And I was mentioning before you came on today that there is still work to do. But there is real opportunity Saturday for Auburn to prove they're the third best team in the conference. And, Chris, they may not be done in three weeks. They got an opportunity to say they may be their second best. This improvement is real. I could not be more impressed because this looks like like this is concrete. This ain't sand. Yeah, it's in it's coaching. It's it's they've done a very good job. This team has gotten better and better. And one of the things that you learn about watching tape is just you really get to the nuts and bolts of why it's getting better and you know where they're the push points are where they've gotten better and why they've gotten better and you just see this team first of all they're playing better up front they use the tight ends which is not something they've ever used before in the run game and the pass game the receivers while not great uh they are much better coached now than they were in the early part of the year thus the coaching change um that 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 they made and they're not great winning off the route um or at the catch point 
but they do a good job working back to the quarterback. They and they that in conjunction with moving the pocket has created a comfort level for Bo Nick. So all of a sudden you've got a guy that can run to throw and if he has to, um not doesn't do it a lot, but run to run to keep a play or a series of lives. So they're doing a very good job there. Their linebackers are playing great. They've got a great nickel safety that is good against the run and can cover a slot reroute guys. Uh, and that's just part of it, but they're just a well-coached physical football team that's just gotten better and better. Um, they controlled last week's game against Ole Miss in the red zone. I mean, they, they, they forced Ole Miss off the field in the red zone. Uh, Ole Miss is, a, is an offense, is a team that is – they can't settle for field goals. They have to score touchdowns, and Auburn was able to prevent that and really – control the game even more than the score indicated because they were able to run the football against an Ole Miss defense that is really not a whole lot better. I mean, it may look better and people will make claims, well, it was better against LSU. That's because LSU's not able to consistently run it. I know they did it against Florida, but that's not sustainable. And um, I think we're starting to see this team grow. With that said, Tough matchup this week. Uh, AM's had some time to prepare. Yep. AM is more talented overall, good defensively. They'll have a better defensive game plan against Auburn. This will tell us who the second best team in the SEC West is. I was mentioning again before you came on some of the, you know, I was listening to Jimbo talk about Derek Mason and all that, uh, you know, and how well the defense will be prepared. Talk Zach Calzada because the idea of confidence and it's a combination of he got more experience, he experienced some success. And then I think the Haynes King announcement that, you know what, brother, uh, you are out there without a net. It, you stop looking over to the sidelines. There ain't nobody coming out there for you. Um, talk about confidence and Zach Calzada and the potential of that offense because they got plenty of pieces. They do, and, and they've coached it up well. This is another team. Offensive line in disarray early. Yep. Injuries, young guys. They figured out the combinations. A lot was made of that. I think they went to drastic measures prior to the Alabama game. And, and this is ironic, isn't it? Um, if it hadn't been for the loss to Mississippi State and how it happened, probably don't beat Alabama because they probably don't make that drastic a move with some of the personnel moves. So they, they've done a good job with that. And in conjunction with that, moving the pocket for Calzada. So they're giving them half field reads. And because the offensive line has improved, it's allowed Wiedemeyer become more involved in the yeah. passing game that he doesn't have to worry as much about blocking in the run game. But, you know, Jimbo likes to run the football. They, they run it well. They've got backs that can run it. And that kind of sets the tone for everything. And that made it easier for Kelza. I mean, he still misses some reads, but he's getting better because they've simplified it. And look, it just takes a little time to get a feel for exactly what the kid can't do, uh, can do or can't do. And I think they've done a done a very good job with him. And I think defensively, while they were getting worn out and couldn't hold on long enough for all the mistakes their offense was making, uh, and they really struggled defensively against Mississippi State and. Um, they're, they're, you know, they're a good defense and they're playing well. And it'll be interesting to see what type of game plan I would imagine they're going to do their best to keep Bo Nix in the pocket. That's where you want to keep Bo Nix. Um, this is going to be an interesting matchup. So it's going to be a much more difficult matchup for Auburn going up against this defense than Ole Miss. Um, but I do think that for Auburn's standpoint, 
it's going to be a different offense that you're defending. You're defending a little bit more power, a little yeah. more outside zone, inside zone, and and obviously move the pocket. Um, you know, whereas with Ole Miss, you're defending tempo, and I'm very curious to see what this Auburn defense can do because I I think I think this is the well, I think it's maybe the most interesting game of the weekend outside of what I think Purdue could potentially do against Michigan Absolutely. State. This is, this is, uh, this is, you know, it's great. Ne- neither one of these teams are, are, are in the playoff hunt nationally, but you know, this is going to say a lot about, you know, the, as I said, the second best team in the West. All right. I respect every opponent. I'll say that it's out there. Um, I don't have as much a question about the outcome in Tuscaloosa Saturday night as I do about what I think about the Alabama defense specifically after the game. That's kind of where I'm looking at it. I don't coach or play, so I can overlook an opponent. Uh, um, Tell me about what you think the Alabama defense and their ability to get at least a little more locked down as they head towards December. I'm curious to see, and we're not going to see it this week, but as you're kind of alluding to is what have they been able to do with the extra time in the bye week. Um, because what you're seeing is a lot of inconsistencies. And I think some of it has to do with the style of teams that they played. Um, you know, they, to me, I think settling that defense down is the whole key. The other thing is, you know, can or will they be a little bit more committed to the run game? Those are the type of what I call enhanced adjustments that you can make in a bye week. Those two things are not going to determine necessarily the outcomes, but I do think that it's certainly going to give a better feel for uh, for Alabama as we get to Arkansas and particularly Auburn and how it might look. So, you know, I, I expect the result to be, you know, significant against LSU. I don't think that they're going to get a whole lot in terms of looks or, you know, maybe quality. And I don't, I don't know how much fight we'll see out of LSU, but uh, yeah, I think, you know, it's the start of how they look, how they play. But I'm very curious to see, you know, starting November 20th against Arkansas and then in the Iron Bowl, how much better this team can get. Because I do think the one thing I'm looking for, as much as it's defense, it's about offense to me. And it's about their commitment to the run. Because I do think that their ability to do that is going to create some opportunities to make some plays in the passing game. Because looking forward, as you said, we can look ahead. I keep thinking that's the one team, if they can run the football well enough and maybe keep Georgia's defense on the field a little bit longer, they might be able to get enough chunk plays to where now you make Georgia play from behind. That's not something anybody's been able to do, and that's something that you'd want to try to do if you were playing Georgia. And I think Alabama's the only team um, that I think could probably do that and maybe the only um, potential monkey wrench you can throw into this Georgia team right now. Last thing before we break, uh, just a quick word about Mike Leach and traditionally with him and what you think you're seeing right now in Starkville. Is his offense, his coaching when he takes over, is that the kind of thing? Is it like most staffs where there's sort of a slow bleed and then you look around and realize, okay, you know, his influence, his DNA is everywhere? Or is it like it's going to be a light on sort of moment where you realize, okay, that offense, it's clicking now because they're getting better. They're getting better, and as I'm watching the game, you know, as you know, I monitor six at one time and take some notes, and then I go back and watch it. The first thing was, man, they seem to be running the football an awful lot. 
And when I got in and looked at it, it said 35. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm watching it. And of course, it's not a misprint. I'm watching it. And I'm like, are my eyes deceiving me? Is that a mar- team in a maroon helmet? Is that really happening? And I'm like, wow, I was really impressed. I was really impressed with the game plan. With him, it is all about his players getting it. What do I mean by that? His offensive players. There's very little plays in his offense. What there is is concepts, and they're about 12 to 15 routes, combinations, based upon coverages. So basically what he does is he coaches his players to be their own coach on the field making decisions, and that's where you got guy going the wrong direction. So it takes a lot of we got to teach it, and it takes a while to get in. Once it gets in, it becomes they can basically kind of run it themselves because, again, they're not running a play. They're running a concept that's going to adjust. But the issue has always been when they're changing guys and you've got, you know, other people coming in and they're not as comfortable, that's when you have mistakes. But, see, to me, I think they're actually pretty good defensively. And I think when they can run the football and can play a little bit more game control – I think this brings a different element. I'm not going to hold my breath to say that Mike's going to change, but I do like what he was able to do last week. I just want to see the consistency level of it. And I don't think and buy that, okay, now they've figured it out, that's it. Let's see more. Let's see more consistency. They've got Arkansas. They've got Auburn. They've got Ole Miss. Let's see. You know, we, we could be having another conversation, you know, in three or four weeks. Folks, this is the kind of commentary you get information directly, firsthand from Chris, his entire staff at LandryFootball.com every single day of the week, not just Wednesdays for a couple of segments. We are going to break, come back with more from Chris Landry on the Chuck Oliver Show. more college football talk with the king of college football it's the chuck oliver show on southern sports today continuing with chris landry hour one on wednesday so that's what we do we talk to chris landry on the chuck oliver show chris let's talk sec east a little bit um i have not seen an update from basilac and honestly that's not going to be a competitive thing in my mind but without him i mean that's just uh that's that's kind of a that that gets to be a real tough sixty minutes for Missouri. Um, do you have anything about Bazelak at all already? Uh, just uh, progressing. I think they think he's going to go, but I'm I'm not sure either. I'm with you. It won't really matter uh, because the problem over there is, and and quite frankly, um, you know, he was very close to getting benched, and I I I don't know that I wouldn't play the young guy going forward, but that's that's not the way Elijah sees it. He he really likes the kid. They, they're this is such a bad team, and they offensively, you know, the key guy there is is uh, Batty, and it's the only the only real consistency that they have. They're so bad defensively. They're oh, bad. they can't I mean, stop the like, run at all. No, they're like Vanderbilt bad. I mean, South. I mean, they're bad, bad. I mean, it's just they're. You know, the East is really, really weak when you throw in those three teams. Those are some of the three weakest defenses that that everybody makes fun of around the country. Well, they're in the – you've got to make fun of those if you are because those are really, really bad. And I, this is just a more of a scrimmage-type atmosphere for, for Georgia. And you just wonder um, what they're going to do and what they're going to work on this week. They're not going to have to do much. No. They'll run it right down their throat. 
Uh, all right, one more stop in the SEC. Tennessee and Kentucky, I, I mean, I, I think I have an idea about what Kentucky is. Levis is a little more limited, I believe. Um, all right, maybe let me – no, I understand his game a little bit more, and it's not mm-hmm. explosive downfield passing as much as maybe right. we were thinking after uh, – who. oh, yeah, ULM. Um, but Tennessee, this is an opportunity because they've had some – some good enough wins on the scoreboard, but not really against a good enough opponent. This would be by far their best measuring stick of the 21 season. Oh, no question about it. And certainly um, disappointing for Kentucky last week, you know, and you get that. I'm sure you get that a bunch. Well, why don't don't we get enough respect? Well, you haven't really beaten a good team yet. No, probably a game that you should have won last week, but we kind of alluded to it in Mississippi state and how well they played and what they're able to do. You get, Kentucky playing from behind they're not the same team can Tennessee get enough stops defensively you know they're going to run tempo Um, Kentucky can't score points with them they're going to have to find way to control this game at the line of scrimmage with the run game and you kind of mentioned Levis yeah you when you can force defenders in the box and you get some man-man coverage you've got some real opportunities to make some plays throw up and go get it and make a play but when you got to throw against split safeties that's that's not his strength look i i do think that tennessee's got a real shot here because i think they'll score some points it's just about you know if they can get an early lead and make kentucky play from behind then i think kentucky's got some issues and got some problems so i think this ought to be interesting it's a game kentucky probably should win but they're gonna have to play it and win it their style and i do think that um that Mississippi State's a little bit better right now, at least than than Tennessee. So, I think it'll be interesting, though. I think this is uh, this now. You say nine and three for Kentucky at the beginning of the year, you'd be dancing in the streets. Now, if you throw that out at Lexington, you'd say, "Oh, what a disappointment!" Because they were thinking so much eleven and one, and relative to what we just talked about in the East, that's the, as much of the reason why as anything. But it's not going to be that, and they're just hoping it's ten and two, and not eleven and uh, not nine and three. Nebraska's still not a great opponent, but the Buckeyes. You know, you and I talked last week. I was like, everybody in America, and we had a smile on our face too after week two. Give me a shovel of dirt. I'm ready to throw it on the Buckeyes, and we're still holding it. Um, and like I said, Nebraska's an interesting opponent. And you're on the road in the conference. That's not nothing. Um, there aren't a lot of teams that look like they're even doing the same thing as Ohio State right now. Yeah, and, you know, wasn't, you know, they're a little up and down, and I know Penn State played with emotion. They always do against Ohio State, yep. but the offensive line that's the most talented in the country went back to playing like, eh, just okay. Yep. Um, they just weren't sharp at all last week. They left a bunch of plays on the field. Um, so, you know, I think there's a lot of work to be done there, as talented as they are. This Nebraska team, I'm really worried about defensively. They're starting to really wear out, and they make too many mistakes on offense. So I do think, uh, in fact, it's becoming so unlinked unmemorial stadium like Chuck. It's they're starting to do things they never do. They're they're booing, you know. I mean, they never do that. That's the that's the nicest. That was always the firewall, wasn't it? The last yeah, firewall there. Absolutely, cheer for the opponents when they leave the field, and it's always supportive. And it's all you know. Got people leaving uh, in the middle of the game. It's getting ugly, and it's almost to me what Scott is. Do you have the answers to fix it? Because it's I think they're wanting to give him one more year. But it is becoming tougher and tougher. And I think how they play like this, a lot of the same mistakes over and over, 
they lose games more than just about anybody, Nebraska. They make more mistakes, the same mistakes over and over again, that it's probably not going to be a good real test for Ohio State because, you know, I think if you play a clean game against the Buckeyes, you can play them well and give them a fight, but um, you can't make mistakes and and have a chance against this team because that's when they've been able to pummel people prior to last week when they just, you know, look like, they were very workmanlike, efficient to some degree, but I thought mistake-prone and, and, and uh, very un-Buckeye-like against Penn State last week. All right, last team I want to ask you about. We only got about 60 seconds. Uh, Washington this year, hmm, ain't much. Um, but what about Oregon and whatever we may find out this weekend? Just uh, take about a minute and kind of run with the Ducks. Washington has no offense. They have struggled so much. They can't get anything out of the passing game. Jimmy Lake's going to have to make some systemic changes. They've got the young Sam Heward that they've kind of been yeah. reluctant to throw him in there. But the future, I think, has some chances. But it is really bad. I mean, like he's going to have to make major changes or else it has just been abysmal Oregon look their chances are to hold on is they're going to have to be like really impressive they're not only going to have to win out and win the Pac-12 they're going to have to dominate and show that you know what that only game we lost was to Stanford Joe Moorhead wasn't there he's done a great job coaching I don't think Oregon can do it and run the table the rest of the way impressively but if they can they at least have an argument to hold on or hold off Ohio State. Other than that, I think the Buckeyes will catch him. We'll see. This is an ugly, this is the nastiest rival in the Pac 12. This is like, well, it's, it, if I were to describe it for SEC fans, it would be like Auburn, Georgia. Um, it, it's, they're different states. Mm-hmm. They recruit against one another. They don't like one another. It's, it's, the the nastiest rival in that league they just don't like one another and i think you saw some of it with jimmy lake oh yeah and his comments absolutely chris always appreciate it brother do it in seven days hey thank you so much take care all right chris landry again LandryFootball.com. that is the website folks that puts a bow on hour one i'm gonna breathe for about five minutes come back talk more college football step into the world of power loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.